right, so we're going to get started. Welcome back, listeners, to Ringmaster's Podcast, Central Michigan's life, uh, Life's Podcast. Right out of the gate, I messed that up. All right, we're going to keep going, though. It's okay. We are joined today uh, by a special guest, a Mr. John Campbell, the creature feature, John Campbell from Imperial Wrestling Entertainment and Michigan Wrestling Organization. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, the equinox is tomorrow, which starts my favorite time of the year, fall, which brings Halloween, which brings all the ghouls and goblins and scary things out. So I'm going to finally feel more like myself uh, starting tomorrow, so it's great. How are you? We are doing pretty well. Jameson, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Awesome. So, John, for those who might not know, tell us a little bit about IWE and MWO. Awesome. So, uh, tell me, how did you get started with uh, something like that? Um, as far as uh, like which organization or like uh, the TV aspect of it, or um, just as a wrestler, how would you say like where did you begin? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I always tell people I loved it as a kid, and I just never grew up, so I'm still like a big kid, but now I can actually do it. Um, you know, I, I remember one of my earliest memories was watching wrestling, and, you know, I just fell in love with it from an early age, and as I got older, uh, I went from something that I loved to something that I wanted to do to something that I needed to do, and uh, from there, you know, I started checking out various independents. Um, I really fell in love with DCW, um, you know, like, say, from 97 to when it closed. And then around then, I started checking out the independents, and I started meeting some of the local guys, like that would do shows uh, around in my area. And from there, I made some contacts for a wrestling school, and I went to that wrestling school and just never looked back. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's like a dream come true then for you. Yeah, I mean, it really is. You know, like, for pro wrestling, 
you know, no matter how my life has changed from, you know, uh, one age group to another, professional wrestling has always been the one constant thing in my life that hasn't changed. It's always been, you know, the really the only thing that's kept me, um, kept me grounded as a person, as who I am. You know, uh, professional wrestling is just that big of a part of my life. And, you know, without it, I really wouldn't know where I'd be in life, what I would be. Uh, I'd be very, very different, I can say that. Awesome. John, who was your favorite wrestler growing up? I, You know, I had so many growing up, just from era to era. Like, oh, oh excuse me. When I, um, oh, gosh, hang on one second. Bless you. Oh. Good lord. Um, I don't know. It's uh, weather. It's crazy weather lately. Um, like, I, I was, when I first started watching, it was right at the tail end of the Hulkamania era. So, I mean, you know, I absolutely loved Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, Ultimate Warrior. But a couple of years later, you know, all those guys weren't there anymore. You know, so, um, oh, uh, Roddy Piper as well, definitely. But, you know, uh, a couple of years later, those guys weren't there anymore. So then it became, you know, like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, um, Ahmed Johnson. Like, I get a lot of strange looks from that. But, you know, you go back and, and watch that dude. Uh, when he first debuted, you know, you can see he, he was just awesome. You know, um, but, you know, a lot of guys like that. And then, like, a couple years later, when I found ECW, it became, you know, like, Shane Douglas, Tommy Dreamer, uh, you, you know what I mean? So it was like, it just, it varied from cycle to cycle, just kind of depending on where I was at uh, in my life at the time. And then, you know, when I started getting into independence, it was like, you know, um, Reckless Youth, Chris Hero, uh, you know, Cole Cabana, like those, those guys, you know, some of whom are, are still, you know, going and everything like that. So, you know, it just, it's, it's really like not one favorite, but it's like favorites of the time period, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like, there's too many to pick just one, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, well not even that. Just, you know, as, as people grow older, their tastes change. You know what I mean? So what was cool to you as... You know, a uh, a 10-year-old kid might not be so cool to you as a 15-year-old kid. Right, right. So, uh, talking about your, like, you in wrestling, like, how did you find your voice in wrestling? Because it's about the physicality, but it's also about the character. Like, did you look to some of those guys when you were searching for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when, when I first started, like, when I very first started, uh, my first ever um, gimmick, I guess you'd call it, was um, a Canadian wrestler. Uh, I was known as the Gentleman John Campbell, and I was in a stable with uh, a couple of my buddies uh, who broke into the business with me, uh, Cody Kelly, Nick Vancore, and uh, Chad Toggins. And um, they, you know, they because we all broke in together and everything like that, they just thought it'd be easier to kind of put us in a group and we were on our way home from the show one night and we were just thinking about like, you know, hey, uh, you know, what do people hate? Because it's always easier to get people to hate you than it is to get people to like you. That's just a fact of life. You know, you can do a hundred 
nice things for a person, but that one time you do something and they feel screwed over, that's the only time they're going to remember. So we were thinking, oh, it's easier to be a heel because it's easier to get people to hate you. What do people hate? Well, a hot-button topic, as always, especially in this day and age, you know, is patriotism. Well, what do people hate? People from other countries talking bad about Americans. Well, you know, we don't exactly look you know, foreign or anything like that. So we decided, okay, what about cocky, arrogant Canadians who talk about how much better Canada is than the United States, even though they're both, you know, relatively the same for, you know, the most part. So uh, that's how that came about for the first, I'd say, uh seven to eight years of my career. I just, you know, I just started my 10th year, but my first uh, seven to eight years of my career, uh, that was my gimmick. And, um, you know, it, it was something that I really sunk my teeth into that made it my own, but it was so far away from who I actually was. And finally the opportunity came where it was like, you know, I'm just, I'm going to be, something a little more true to myself and you know people who know me outside of wrestling know that I absolutely love horror music, horror movies and punk rock music and so I kind of combine the two and that's where we're at with the creature feature where it's just basically me turned up to 11 that's awesome John you said uh, that you uh, have started your 10th year now and what are your goals uh, for the wrestling business? Do you do you inspire to make it to the top of the top, or do you love where you're at now? Uh, where do you where do you think you'll be wrestling in the future? Well, you know, um, I I used to, um, and, and we talked a little bit about this before we were actually on the air. You know, I used to be that guy. I traveled, you know, three days a week all over the country. Didn't matter where the show was. You know, the show was in Tennessee on Friday and the show was back in Michigan on Saturday and then there was another show in Chicago on Sunday I would drive from Michigan to Tennessee back to Michigan to Chicago and then be back home Monday morning to go to work you know I was just I was that guy I was that independent guy and it was kind of what I was saying earlier you know as you get older your tastes change people changed. Uh, back in 2013, uh, I injured my back really bad, and all of these promoters that I used to work for, um, out of all of them, only one of them called and checked on me regularly to make sure that I was okay and to see how I was doing, and that kind of, like, opened my eyes to, like, how much, you know, you really matter in the grand scheme of things when it comes to independent wrestling. And so once I healed up and everything like that, I decided to kind of focus my attention on the places like that. Like, you know, and that one promoter was the promoter of Michigan Wrestling Organization. So I decided to focus my attention there. I decided to focus my attention on IWE and uh, just really kind of sink my teeth into that. And, you know, it was like, quality over quantity 
if that makes sense. And to me, like, those are the two top quality promotions to work for. And so that's, that's where I want to be. Um, you know, that's not saying if opportunity didn't present itself, I wouldn't take it. But I mean, just right, right now, I'm completely content with where I'm at. Uh, I like where I'm at. I have the creative freedom to kind of be myself where I'm at. So, you know, to me, that speaks plenty of volumes over, you know, say a million dollar paycheck. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So with all these miles and all these matches that you've wrestled, what's been the most difficult part? Because you talk about the road, long hours on the road, um, the schedule, uh, the injuries, like what's, what was the most, uh, what took the most adaptation on your part, would you say? Um, it's really hard to say because, you know, when you, when you put it that way, it makes it sound like it was a, a bad and a terrible experience and it, and it definitely wasn't. You know, a lot of times, you know, in the wrestling business, some of the, the greatest times you have aren't even in the locker room. They're in the car with your buddies you know, on the way to the show, you know, in the cars for eight hours, just sharing stories and, and goofing off and, you know what I mean, Enjoy, enjoying, you know, seeing seeing the country, you know. So, I mean, the, the hardest part of all of that would probably be how I said before, where it was like, you know, once it was all said and done, you just kind of felt like you didn't matter. You know, like, there there was plenty of promotions, you know, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, for example, the, the, you know, nationally, the only national magazine you can go and you can buy on the newsstands and everything like that. You know what I mean? I was getting these, you know, promotions, otherwise, who wouldn't have any eyes on them? You know, I was getting them coverages and coverage in the magazine. Uh, the magazine was, you know, writing about my feuds at, at various different promotions and getting them exposure. And, you know, then when I hurt my back, I kind of felt like a racehorse that, you know, broke its leg. And it was like, well, we have no more use for that guy, so let's just take him out back and put a slug in his head. You know, so that, that was probably the, the hardest part of that. And that's kind of when I walked away and said, I'm going to start doing this on my own terms. So, uh, so like, uh, to get away from that aspect of it, like you said, there is a lot of fun to be had. So, uh, tell us about, um, like choosing to go with that character, like, like combining like the punk and the, the horror, the, your love of horror movies together. Like, what do you sort of like, what, it, what does that look like when you put it together? Uh, it looks like me, but I haven't slept in like a few days. And I'm angry, and I want to fight people. <laughs> I mean, it's, no, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun, you know, um, especially, you know, the, with the fans, because the fans really seem to dig it. You know, I come out to the ring with a, um, with a candy bucket that I have named Franken Bucket. He is my manager, you know, and I have uh, Halloween candy in the bucket that I throw out to, like, all the kids and everything like that. So, I mean, they really dig it, because... You know, what kid doesn't love free candy and uh, things like that. But no, I can just, I can really go out there and just kind of be like that, uh, 
that wild lunatic that I couldn't really be like before when I was, you know, the the gentleman John Campbell and I was kind of a, uh, you know, hoity-toity Canadian, didn't want to get my hands dirty kind of thing. So, you know, it really is like from one extreme to another. You know, I'd say during the week I'm mild-mannered John Campbell, but then on the weekends when I'm the creature feature, it's kind of like I can let loose and let out all of the uh, all of the aggression that I've saved up over the week. That's awesome. So, like, talking about, like, having the freedom to just come out there and just, like, throw candy and just go wild, like, what are some things, because uh, some people, like, a lot of people don't go to these shows and sort of don't get into the independent wrestling scene, like, what's, how is that different from what they might watch on, like, say, like, Monday Night Raw or TNA or, or something to that effect? I, I always compare it to uh, going to see an unsigned band or going to see, like, a, uh, a band who's maybe signed to, like, a uh, lesser-known label. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you see, it's, it's very much punk rock, you know? You, back in, like, you know, the, the 80s, you would see, like, bands like Black Flag and the Misfits and those guys, you know, they would bring in their own gear. They would uh, set everything up themselves. You know, they would play, and then after they were done playing, they would, you know, interact with the fans and hang out with the fans. And, you know what I mean? It's, it's very different because you see the passion that the guys have for the business. You know, it's very grassroots. It's very on, on kind of that level where, you know, it's like... You go to an indie show, there's not a bad seat in the house. You go to WWE, and you might be up close to the ring, but you're going to pay, like, you know, a few hundred dollars for it. And if you don't pay a few hundred dollars for it, you're 50 feet away from the ring, and everybody looks like ants. So, you know, there's there's a lot of differences there, but that's, like, kind of the best the best one that I can do with the analogy. It's like it's like going to see, like, an unsigned band, you know. They, they're not so much doing it for the money they're doing it because they love it and they want to be seen john do you you mentioned the wwe do you watch the wwe product right now um i haven't in a little while only because um one i'm not a millionaire so i don't actually have cable (laughs) um but two uh you know it's like i could watch it like online and everything like that after the fact but I just, it's like, I should watch it, I know I should watch it, I should always keep up on the current product and everything like that, but I just really haven't had much of an interest, you know what I mean, like, um, I want to say the most recent thing I've watched uh, from, on mainstream wrestling TV was the the final deletion with uh, Matt and Jeff Hardy. Like, not the one that they just did, but the one that uh, they did where it was just those two. Because it was so crazy and off the wall, and I absolutely loved it, and it was so different. Um, but yeah, it was just like, I like I, I want to, but I guess I just don't really find the, um, the will to. Right, and it's a lot of content to try and get through, too, so... Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's another thing, too. Like, I mean, the last time I tried to watch Raw for, you know, it's like three hours, and then, like, you know, and it seemed like at least an hour of of it was recapping what you already saw, and it's just like, why is Raw so, 
you know, like, yeah. why is it so long? It was fine when it was two hours. Even two hours nowadays is, is pushing it. Um, you know, most people, when they uh, when they watch TV, you know, especially nowadays, they, they either have their smartphone in their hand or they, they have the channel changer in their hand, you know, and they have their button on the remote. You know, people don't have a, you know, that's why movies aren't three hours long. People don't have that kind of attention span. And it's just, it is, it's, it's rough. It's really rough to get through. Right. So in the vein of that, would you call yourself a wrestler or a sports entertainer, would you say? Uh, I would say I'm more of a sports entertainer, uh, even though that's kind of a dirty term among independent wrestlers, but I don't care. Um, I would call myself more of a sports entertainer, but I, you know, I can get in there and, and trade holds and, you know, do that kind of stuff. It, it just, it depends on the crowd that I'm working in front of, you know, because, you know, when a little, if the crowd is com- composed of little kids, you know, little kids don't care what kind of wrist lock that you want that you do. You know, the little kids don't care about like, you know, oh, he did a uh, European style cravat. You know, they, they really don't care about that. They want to see me go crazy and be all loony and all that stuff. Whereas, like, if it's more of a um, an adult-oriented crowd full of, uh, you know, smart Internet fans, you know, then I might throw some of that, uh, you know, some of that style in there because I know that that's kind of what they're looking for and I want them to be entertained. So, you know, I can I can kind of go back and forth, but I don't think one should go back and forth. I think one should try to combine all of them. You know what I mean? You shouldn't be so much of a sports entertainer and you shouldn't be so much of a wrestler. You should combine both and have that total package. And I, I think I'm well on my way. Mm-hmm. Just all those tools, you know, like reading the crowd and everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because the crowd is the most important part of your match. If they're not entertained, then you're just out there, you know, doing moves for the sake of moves, you know. It's it's really all about them, you know. If they can if they can walk away entertained by what you do, then you did your job. It doesn't matter if you go out there and do four fifty splashes or you go out there and, you know, just punch a guy. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you can get the same reaction off the punch than you can off of a 450 splash, then, then you did your job. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well said. So, um, I have a little favor to ask of you, John, if you're up for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't know. Does don't. It, does, it, does it involve money? No, no. <laughs> no, does, it's... does it involve, do I have to steal something? No, it's uh. Do I have to set any fires? Um, maybe, but no, no, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, then what? Then what? Then what's the fun in that? You know, if, if it's gonna be a favor, it's gotta benefit me somehow. I wanna have some fun. No, it will. Um, I was wondering if you could cut a quick promo for us and maybe talk about some of the events that you've got coming up. Absolutely. All right, man. Let her rip. This is. The Creature Feature, John Campbell. And I've been hanging out in my favorite place, the cemetery. And people think the cemetery is a scary place, but no, no, no. It's actually a very calm and a very soothing place. You see, the cemetery is a place where the dead speak. 
And they may not speak out loud. They may not speak with a voice, but they speak by what is written on their tombstones. And on October 15th in Houghton Lake, Michigan, I see a tombstone for Pete Daddy Dollar. I see a tombstone for James Dillinger. I see a tombstone for Ricky Cartier, and I see a tombstone for Apocalypse. And what they say is R.I.P. Team Ratings. Team Ratings, you've been a thorn in my side since you started in Imperial Wrestling Entertainment. The fans hate you, the other wrestlers hate you, but you can best believe I hate you more than all of them combined. So on October 15th, it doesn't matter if I do have a kidney injury, it doesn't matter if the doctors haven't cleared me to wrestle, I will be there. And you can believe and you will take this to your grave. I will not stop because I am unbreakable and I know no fear. That was awesome, John. Thank you so much. Well done, sir. Thank you. That's, you know, I, I, got, I got some crazy stuff going on up in my head, and that's, that's kind of where it takes me, you know? Yeah, like, you just you just snapped right back into talking after that. Like, it's like, oh, hey, oh, yeah, you know, it was, it was good, right? Like, <laughs> well, you know, the, the, more concussion, the more concussions you get in your career, the louder the voices get in your head, and, you know, it's like, hey, hey, and, then you can just tell them to shut up and go about your business. Right, you can stay focused on what you got going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, hey, uh, John, thank you so much. Are there any other live events you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, there, there is one on October 15th that I just plugged. Um, October 29th, uh, Michigan Wrestling Organization Trick or Slam that is going to be at the NTC Church in Burton, Michigan. Uh, October 15th will be in Holton Lake, Michigan for Imperial Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, you can check me out on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash John X. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter, even though I'm not on it that often anymore, at G John Campbell. That's the letter G and then John Campbell, John with an H, T-A-M-P-V-E-L-L. And uh, thank you for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. I hope it was as good for you as it was for me. And, um, yeah, have a good night. Thank you. You too. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye. Good stuff there. Yeah, so that was John Campbell from uh, IWE and uh, Michigan Wrestling Organization. So check out those events. They're going to be a lot of fun. So, Jameson, um, we're going to get into some Raw and some SmackDown. And I sure hope John would give some of those guys some lessons because we had some <laughs> bad promos out there out there Monday night. We did. It was a pretty underwhelming week of wrestling, I thought, especially for a go-home show for Raw. I wasn't wasn't too impressed with what we had to offer on Monday. It's a bad sign. Uh, I texted you earlier today because I said, dude, we have to make predictions because there's yeah. another pay-per-view coming up. I had no idea. They come up quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, for a go-home go show, it was really, you didn't didn't really know Clash of Champions was coming up this Sunday. No, it's just business as usual yep. with a cage, kind of. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, all right, so getting into it, uh, the show opens uh, with Stephanie McMahon and Mick Foley and Roman Reigns. 
um, and they talk a little bit, and um, they they kind of argue a little bit. Um, Roman Reigns gets a op- title opportunity, um, business as usual. Um, McFoley makes a cage match for later that night, and he puts Rusev and Seth Rollins in a match that's coming up next. Uh, man, this was rough. Yeah, uh, th- this match. I mean, they they put a lot of matches out there on Monday that I mean didn't really mean anything. The the Seth Rollins Rusev match. What what is this going to prove? I was actually interested to see who was going to lose that match because both guys are uh, you know in a good part of their career right now, and a loss to the to a Rusev loss or a Rollins loss would not look good for them right now. And uh, of course, it ended in a draw. So again, the match didn't really mean anything. Right, and I love Seth Rollins and I love Rusev, and I think if they were given the right context, they could put on a really great match because I loved what I saw. Like that crossbody off the announce table was good. Michael Cole sold it like he came out of the lights. Did you, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Like he oh, was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, from the top of the arena. No, dude, it was four feet in the air from right in front of you. Like, <laughs> Well, my, Michael Cole sells everything. Everything's the biggest thing in the world, Michael Cole. Now, everything is the exact same to Michael Cole. It's such a flat line. I mean – just, I mean, I'm not going to blame Michael Cole for the entire opening of the show not being great, but, you know, it's I'm not going to give him a ton of credit for it either. So, <laughs> coming up next, backstage, uh, Dana Brooke and Charlotte show Mick Foley. Uh, we talked about this last week, um, that the match ended in a double pin. Uh, Foley agrees um, in a you rare... You did. You noticed that last week. Yeah, I saw that, and I was wondering, because nobody made a big deal out of it. So, I part of me thinks it's an accident but I'm not too was, sure. I'm guessing it was an accident, and then everybody realized it, uh, you know, the day after and said, well, we're going to have to mention this next week. Yeah, and in a rare moment of uh, managing competence, Foley agrees to this, uh, so he makes a Sunday women championship match between Charlotte, Sasha Banks, and Bailey. Thanks to the great idea by Dana Brooke. Yes. Dana Brooke's full of great ideas. That was Dana Brooke's best contribution to the show <laughs> ever was – being responsible was watching the show for one because she watches television and she could see it too. Right. And, uh, and two for, um, insisting that that happened. Cause that is going to be an awesome match regardless of how the build has been. So, <laughs> so coming up next, uh, Braun Strowman annihilated Sin Cara, uh, with a running power slam, which is probably my favorite of his finishing moves. I think you should stick with that. What do you think, man? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. I, these, these squash matches are just getting to be, uh, uh, boring to me I don't they, they're doing nothing I mean is Braun Strowman gonna have a swash match for like the next seven months or I mean I'm sure after class champions he'll have something but the same with Bo Dallas's squash match I, they just they're they they do not do anything for me they let's have some storylines something I, I'm sick of the squash matches and I see they were fun when they started you had yeah, these jobbers they'd give them a short interview six the jobber later, knows they're about to die yeah. but I mean like how long have we been doing this now and now it's it's Sin Cara in there and it's they gotta go somewhere with it. Um, at least it didn't take up too much time. <laughs> I mean, actually, no, I would have. Nah, this could have taken more time. I don't care. <laughs> this is where I'm at with this show, Jameson. Like, yeah. This is this is this is what it's got me into. So uh, next match is Charlotte and Dana Brooke. Um, actually defeated Sasha Banks and Bailey. Dana tripped up Bailey when she tried to hit her Bailey to belly, uh, reaching under the ropes. And uh, Charlotte hit a big boot on Bailey, uh, which was which probably would have looked good if the camera was looking at it, but they were too busy looking at Dana Brooke, and they quick snap back to it, but uh, to get the pin. So. Uh, it's it's good to see the champion get a pin on Raw, which didn't happen the week before. It's uh, I think that was the right way for that match to end. I mean, you got to have the the champion win the match going into uh, Clash of Champions. 
Yeah, and the the way they did it was fine. This this was it wasn't anything special, but it wasn't bad either. Like this is you know what? That's fine. Um, keep everyone looking okay going into it. I still think the promo before with Bailey and Sasha, Bailey's just it's. I know I I know I'm a, a little hard on Bailey, but and if people disagree, let me know. Tweet at me, but. Uh, Bailey was too. She's talking to her opponent in Sasha Banks, which her opponent on Sunday, and she's smiling. She's just happy to be there. This is the person you're going to fight in six days. You shouldn't be buddy buddy with this person. I don't know. That's that's just me though. Uh, well, I appreciate that Bailey is the one uh, optimistic character who isn't just always trying to backstab people. We you need both women and men in the wrestling. I'm not saying need she needs that. to be backstabbing anybody. I think she should show a little more fierceness and anger towards. Her opponent, Sasha Banks, but right, and I that's that's her character arc too. That was her character arc in NXT. Like she was, uh, she refused to compromise. She wanted to be everybody's friend, and then she learned how to be aggressive, and then she became the champion. So I'm hoping they do. That has something to do with the finish. I know we're not into predictions yet, but maybe Bailey is very, very good. She just doesn't have the aggression or the ruthlessness to win the match. Like if they did that, that would be great. Yeah, if, if they do do something like that, that would be good. But I guess we'll see. I hope they're paying attention to the show because I'd love to see that. <laughs> So coming up next, uh, we have a Bodalis squash uh, with the uh, rolling cutter. The crowd was so disinterested in this. The crowd was disinterested quite a bit this week, I thought. I, I, mean, I didn't think there was a great uh, crowd there in Memphis, but uh, it was good to see Vince Carter in the crowd, though. Memphis Grizzly. It's, it's good to see Vince on TV now and then. Didn't Sheamus get, like, knocked into him during I, their match? Probably. Or, yeah. Anyway, so but, that's later. But uh, well, No, it's next. Oh, no, it is next, actually. So you already, you already want to move on from this. Yes, I do. We're not going to talk, talk about, about squash We're matches. not going to talk about Bo Dallas <laughs> and cutting the weakest, aggressive promo I've ever seen. It's the most ineffective attempt at looking scary, I think, ever. I got nothing for but, Bo. I, I guess we're moving on to uh, Jameson's other favorite part of the show. Yep. We have the best of seven series between Cesaro and Sheamus. And shockingly, they're not doing a sleep. Um, this is this is the like, the eighth week in a row we've seen these. We two. knew this was going seven. We said week one this is going seven. I know we wanted the sweep once it was three zero, but we knew of course this is going seven. Yeah. And how doesn't Cesaro get beat on a white noise on the apron? That looked brutal. Yeah, especially with him selling the back injury. Exactly, so well. exactly on his back on the apron, and he kicks out and wins the match. I, I thought that would have been a good ending. But. Yeah, I mean. Cesaro is so good at wrestling um, that they think that they can just put him anywhere and he'll be fine. And normally he is because he puts on these really good matches, you know, uh, as a heel or a face. But there's just these weird situations where it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the context here? You know, a back injury before made him cost him the match. Right. Multiple times. Sorry. <clears throat> I can't see this after this feud ends on Sunday. I, I don't I mean, I don't think this benefited either of these guys. No, and like I think you said it a few weeks ago, uh, we're sort of sick of seeing them. And I love Cesaro; he's so good in a, every way, and uh, just every physical way, every storytelling way about wrestling. Uh, he's an actual wrestling Superman, and they need to treat him like one. But you put him in with Sheamus for because they had two matches before this Best of Seven series, so it's nine weeks of Cesaro and Sheamus. And then we're going to get Cesaro asking about his title opportunity after this, and you're just sort of burned out from it. Yeah, I definitely burned out from it. We'll, we'll see how it ends on Sunday. But uh, the best the best part of the show 
for me, was next. Yes. Uh, That's my favorite part of the show. Jericho is becoming the best part of the show every week, I feel like. Yeah, he is going back to what he did back in WCW. Yes, the list. He came to the – it wasn't 1,004 holds, but he came there with a list of grievances. He has about Mick Foley. Yep. And I have never been in more support of anything as much as I love Mick Foley. Oh, yeah. Um, I loved it. Uh, Just making fun of him. Uh, Like, constantly putting over his relationship with Kevin Owens, which is always great. Um, And then they did sort of the uh, promo train. Enzo Amore and Big Cass uh, started talking about Ashton Kutcher or something. (laughs) That's that's what's in my notes. Uh, They started talking about um, other, you know, friends and how... You know, they made fun of Jericho for wearing the vest and no shirt and the scarf and yep. and whatever. And then the Shining Stars came out and tried to sell real estate. And then the New Day came out and tried to sell cereal. Yep. And then, Gal- and then Gallows and Anderson called them all stupid after spending three weeks being uh, retirement specialists and then uh, doctors. And, of course, then they all get thrown into, uh, what, 10-man? Ten 10-man ten tag. 10-man tag. Yeah. Oh, and Sami Zayn was there, too. Sami came in. Yeah. Sami got sick of it and started beating up Jericho. Yeah, he was uh, he was kind of the odd man out there, but yeah, and uh, it was finally good to see that Enzo and Cass got to uh, pin the shining stars. Right, that was that was good to see that. Yeah, but this it's not gonna end there, man. We're gonna, <laughs> I know we're that. gonna get eighteen more weeks of exactly. This. <laughs> I mean, that was you know what to to give credit where it's due. That was a fun match. It was that that ten man tag. You know that was a lot of fun. Everyone went nuts. Uh, Enzo got a pin. Um, you know what? I'm not too mad at that, but just. I know that none of those storylines are over, right. so it's just, it was fine, I guess. That's what I'd say. So, all right, so what do we got next here? We've, the Cruiserweights. Yes. This was a fun part of the show. This was. Uh, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of the Cruiserweight Classic, so I'm a main roster guy, as as Grant knows, so um, I was I was excited to watch these guys, and they impressed me, They uh, each and every one of them. Um, Cedric Alexander was awesome. Uh, I love the gimmick that uh, Rich Swan has. Um, entertaining. All these guys are entertaining. Uh, Grand Metalik, he he can wrestle. That guy is fun to watch. And then the old Brian Kendrick. I remember watching Brian Kendrick back when what we were in middle school, uh, and I was happy to see him get the win. Good for Brian. Thirty-seven, career reboot. Good for him. Yeah, it doesn't show a bit of that age too. No. Just as fresh as ever in that ring, and just they looked like they're at home. This um, I did watch a lot of the Cruiserweight Classic, um, and Cedric Alexander was part of probably the best match on there with Kota Ibushi. Um, just an incredible performer. Um, those four, honestly, are such an, uh, such a good add to this show. I wish we had seen some of TJ Perkins, who's the actual champion, um, who Kendrick will be facing at Clash of Champions. I wish we had seen a bit more of that. Uh, you know, at least like you know his feelings or get some context from him. But uh, no, I was happy with this. This is this is a lot of fun, honestly. This sort of woke me up. The rest of the show just yeah. slowly killed me for I two th- hours. I think that it woke the crowd up too. It took a while for the crowd to get into this match. I don't know if you noticed, they were pretty quiet. I mean, no one didn't seem like a lot of the people knew these guys a whole lot. But mm-hmm. halfway through the match, they were into it, and uh, it was it was fun to watch. These guys knew what they were doing, and I'm I'm ex- interested to see. I mean, these guys are obviously not just going to be facing each other. They're going to eventually get into storylines with guys on the main roster. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I mean, it's not like they're going to just wrestle the five of each other for the rest of the le- the next year. I mean, they, they, I, I'm, I'm excited to see these guys face other people. Mm-hmm. I'm excited just to have these uh, high-flying, fast, uh, technical, 
just these matches that are very un Monday Night Raw, that right. are very non generic. Well, a lot of people thought that the Cruiserweight Classic should just be its own brand. You know, you have NXT, mm-hmm. Cruiserweight Classic, um, and now they're just kind of throwing them into Raw. I hope that doesn't ruin anything for them. I, I doubt it will. If anything, it'll make managing the Cruiserweight Classic next year easier because there's no way they're not doing it again. Uh, because virtually everybody liked it, especially the last couple rounds. You just get some of the best guys with some of the craziest and most uh, contrasting styles together, and they can make magic. So there's no way they're not doing it again. Uh, and hugely looking forward to Kendrick versus Perkins. That's so going to be a heck of a match. I'm interested to see uh, what Perkins is like, and uh, Kendrick Kendrick can go. So that should be a good match. Definitely, definitely. So um, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't want to talk about this, but okay. the promo before this match was Mick Foley introducing the Cruiserweights. This was rough. Um, now, I love Mick Foley. It goes without saying. He's one of the best, most committed, most entertaining characters and people, just in terms of you know being a great guy who everyone wants to see more of. But on this show, uh, he was really struggling, uh, even during the opening segment. Yeah. Um, Stephanie McMahon didn't help him too much, but... He was struggling through this, um, and then he, he had some note cards where he read off their names, and I, I just didn't like the way that he put them over. I didn't think he made it seem nearly important enough. You know, I would be critical of Mick, but you know how many chair shots that guy has taken to the head in the last 20 years? I mean, I, I'm surprised he doesn't fumble as much as he does. That guy's probably had 10 different concussions. He's, t- he's, he's fallen off the hell in a cell. I mean, this guy... He's been through a lot. I'm going to give him a break if he stumbles over some words because uh, he's taken thousands more cheer shots than we ever will. So right, I can't right. rip on Foley. Like, I, I can't imagine the kind of pain that he's has to go through just every day and all the stuff that he did. But, uh, I, you know, I really want to see more of him on the show, and uh, I want to be entertained by him because he's an entertaining guy. So I hope they let him have some more freedom and don't make him stick to these rigid scripts. Have you watched Holy Foley at all? I actually have not seen that yet. It's good. Is it good? Yeah, Noelle Foley. She's... She's fun. That's uh, his daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That sh- I like that show. Isn't she dating like a clown or something? Yeah, she's dating Frank the Clown, the guy you see in the front row all the time. That dude, really? Yeah, yeah talk about a lucky guy. I mean, he's just he's a, just a fan of the WWE, wears a clown mask, and now he's dating Noelle Foley, who's a beautiful woman, and he's part of the Foley family now. <laughs> wow. Lucky dude. That, du- that dude is everywhere. Yeah. That drives me nuts. Yeah. And now... <laughs> I guess I'm gonna have to check that out. <laughs> it's so a good show. I'll make I'll make a note about that. Add that to my other eight hours of WWE exactly. programming. So uh, all right, so we'll get to the main event now. Um, steel cage match between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, and it's a non-title match. Um, Owens is a Universal Champ, but it's a non-title match, so Roman Reigns wins. Um, I'm gonna preface what I say next with I hate escape finishes to cage matches. Well, especially I mean they try to go through the door. At least Roman went over the top. At least, yeah. I just they shouldn't even open the door. It yeah, yeah, like I agree. The idea, like you hear, uh, like you hear these guys, like Corey Graves, trying to put it over as, oh, it'll change your life. Uh, it's this brutal experience, but honestly, it's it's not really um, like it's it's just not it's not nearly the type of physical threat that it should be. Like it doesn't really add anything to a match with everybody trying to escape all the time. It should be these two dudes. We need to lock them in so they can just crush one another. And, and it, it should always end by pinfall or submission, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, not always. Of course, there's going to be instances where you can't do that or where right. it wouldn't make sense. But I just like to see some that play the tropes straight and just have a 
blood not necessary bloody because they can't do it anymore as awesome as it would be you know let's keep everybody safe and everything but just some very physical matches now here it made sense because kevin owens is the greatest and he makes running away look like look like an art form out there mm -hmm. um and he has no reason to fight roman reigns really because it's a non-title match another um, match that i mean really didn't mean a whole lot no and and then but everybody got involved uh at the end rusev jumps reigns after the match and uh Reigns starts to get the upper hand on him, but Owens kicks the door of the cage into Reigns' face. Um, that looked rough. It did. So then they rolled him into the cage, and Rusev locked the door. But super baby face, Seth Rollins comes in, does a crossbody off the top, knocks everybody down. The crossbody off the top was the, the best part of the show, in my opinion. It was, a, it was a great spot. Seth Rollins makes it look easy. But I did not... Why is he coming out to save Roman Reigns? I, I I didn't agree with that. And it's not like he, like, picked Roman Reigns up or even had any uh, communication with him when he was in the ring. But, it, I mean, it pretty much looks like Seth Rollins is coming out to save his buddy Roman Reigns. Those guys aren't buddies. Right. No, they're not friends, especially, like, just especially those two. I mean, Ambrose and him had a long time to, like, work out their issues, quote-unquote, just beat the tar out of one another. But, you know, uh, Reigns and Rollins, you know, were kept separate for a little while, especially after the Shield broke up. But anyway, like, you're right. Like, it doesn't really make sense, and I think they're rushing his babyface turn. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, Seth Rollins doesn't have to be a heel. He's going to get over with everybody because it's Seth Rollins, and he's awesome. Mm -hmm. Just let him be that middle guy. He doesn't have to be a babyface. He doesn't have to rip on the crowd all the time. Just let him be a middleman and be Seth Rollins, and I think that's the best part. But coming in to save Roman Reigns, I, I didn't agree with that. No, I didn't really agree with it either. We're in this weird situation where there is a pay-per-view every two weeks. Right. And I feel like they're rushing it uh, to get that dynamic built up. Um, I mean, I know he was going after Kevin Owens, who he's about to face on Sunday. But, I mean, Roman Reigns is getting the hell beat out of him and Seth Rollins to the save. So. Right. And, yeah, I mean, I just I – I think that – his character shouldn't do that. Like, it doesn't right. make sense at this point. If no. they're going to have him do it before the next pay-per-view, maybe. I hope they draw this out because he's still very arrogant as a character. Not the person, of course, just the character. Yeah. Uh, very arrogant, but he's now at odds with Stephanie McMahon and some other people and Kevin Owens and Triple H. Um, and I just – it didn't really make sense for him to do it this quickly. It should be this slow burn so right. that we're all ready to cheer him at the same time where he's actually doing good things. So I, I totally agree with you there. But, hey, it was a good spot. It was a it great was a good spot. spot. Great spot. Not going to argue too much about it because it was good. <laughs> so, all right, going to SmackDown. SmackDown. SmackDown was not as good as the last two weeks. But no, it, it wasn't. But it wasn't bad. No, it, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't. It, it, it didn't live up to the last few weeks. Yeah. It also wasn't three hours, so I'm inclined to say I just liked it more anyway. Exactly. Um, but I, I wasn't I, – the, 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 the women's division starts the show again with mm -hmm. Becky Lynch – and Alexa Bliss's contract signing for the women's championship match. I, I I didn't like the way they started the show. I felt like there could have been a different segment there. I'm completely fine with the women starting the show. They've done it in the past, and I like it, but I didn't really enjoy the segment, especially for a show starter. If it would have been maybe at the top of the hour or hour one or hour two, I, I didn't like it here, though. I loved Becky in this segment. Uh, I don't think Alexa Bliss had a lot of good material to work with. Well, it's pretty and much like her first big time on the mic in the middle of the ring on SmackDown, correct? Yeah, apart from just the really short intro that they right. did. But, yeah, and, no. and I didn't, I mean, for her first time, I wasn't that uh, upset or that uh, displeased with what Alexa Bliss had to say. That's a big, that's a lot of pressure. But uh, I don't think it. she was ready to start the show, though. 
Right. I think um, because the great thing about Alexa Bliss, because I followed her work for a while now, and I am a fan. It's like everybody, you know, she has room for improvement, but she's very, very good. Uh, her, she's almost like Sasha Banks, where she plays her character better when she's not standing in the middle of the ring talking. Yeah. Like when she's walking or making facial expressions or wrestling, you 100% exactly know her motivations. You know what she's about, and you get a good sense for what she does and who she is. But when you just leave her there to talk and just try to turn her into someone with that kind of charisma, it doesn't quite work out as well. Now, Becky can sort of do both. She was, this is one of my favorite Becky promos because she used to be a little bit awkward um, back when she was just sort of Charlotte's friend uh, before they turned Charlotte heel. But I really, really liked, she can really sell that fired up baby face thing like almost nobody else right now. So I thought she was good, but I agree it wasn't exactly an effective opener. No, no, it wasn't. Um, But uh, they they ended up, you know, getting physical, which Daniel Bryan didn't want, and uh, I'm sure it will be a good match. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. I am looking forward to it. At No Mercy. At No Mercy. That's right. It's probably like... Bring him back old pay-per-view names. I like it. Yeah. It's going to, like... It's it's probably going to be next Wednesday or something. (laughs) It's going to be the next one. It's going to show up before we know it. Yeah, it's going to sneak up on us again. But coming up next, this was my favorite match maybe all week. Um, Okay. Because there's nothing better for me than good, smart tag team wrestling. Yeah. And this is exactly what we got. Usos, they beat American Alpha, and I wasn't even mad. Normally, I'd flip a table or something because I love American Alpha, and I, I'm a mark for that. But uh, I'm a mark for Kurt Angle, like yeah. the two different versions of him. But anyway, uh, their first match back, uh, but the Usos are still taking advantage of their injury. Um, and they got the double super kick and a splash on Jason Jordan. And the Usos will face Slater and Rhino for the titles at No Mercy. So, what did you think of this one? I thought it was a good tag team match. Tag team match. I'm gonna go straight kayfabe here, though. Mm. How can I take uh, Chad Gable as a serious competitor if he can't get through matches without getting injured? I, I know it was a bad injury. He he, but he was cleared to compete, and the, he. I mean, he can't he can't help his team when he's injured all the time. How can I, I, I how can I take American Alpha seriously when Chad Gable's hurt all the time? Now, see, that's the problem with American Alpha is that they're sort of like the Steiners uh, from the 90s and, and other times, too. But, like, they're these guys who just are say, okay, here's eight suplexes and just beat everybody. And everybody loves it, but you can't have them just run over the division because then there's going to be no one to face them. Right. So you put them in this weird spot where the two strongest guys are made to sell the most so it becomes like if they weren't if they weren't if he didn't sell anything from that injury, then people would be critical because he wasn't selling. But if he sells too much and it costs him the match like this, then he's weak. So they're really putting him in an awkward spot. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, he hasn't shown any good offense because his legs hurt. You know, so uh, I mean, I'm sure it'll heal in the next week or two, and he'll come out and win matches. But uh, I feel like they're they're making him a little more weak than he needs to be at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's only been on the main roster for. A month, you know? Ever since the draft, yeah. yeah. So, but You know what? If someone is selling on offense on WWE television, I'm so happy. Like, <laughs> if they just, like, because there's supposed to be context. Like, WWE always claims they tell stories. Now we have people actually continuing those stories. Right. And it's not like Seth Rollins is the is the is the goodest guy in the world right now. It's like no, it just takes time, it takes time. And you know what? For what it was worth, I didn't mind it too much because it also in and out of kayfabe makes sense because the Usos bring up uh, I think before or after the match that they had to wrestle twice the night of the last yeah. pay per view, and when that makes a lot of sense. Just later, Rhino, and the, also I, I wanted to mention the best part, my favorite part of the match was when they cut back to Rhino and Slater eating 
cheese whiz and crackers. I <laughs> thought that was a pretty good uh, spot there. I know those two are great. <laughs> my my favorite part was at the end when they were trying to be intimidating, but they were blown up and tired. Yeah, and is out of breath because <laughs> yeah, they have yeah. this incredibly physical style. They're both heavily breathing. And- and then they just decide to leave. They're breathing for all four people. Exactly. Just, and then leaving. But you know what? I'm not going to nitpick. I couldn't do any of that. So no. you know what? And then Rhino just crushes all of his crackers and the segment's over. Yeah, because Rhino is secretly the greatest. Yes, he is. So coming up next, we have the entire mid card got involved in this match. <laughs> like, am I even lying right now? It's a good way to explain it. Yeah, so Baron Corbin beat Apollo Crews in the match they've been trying to have since, like, 1980. Yeah. Like, they finally did the match. Jack Swagger was in on commentary because he switched from Raw to SmackDown last week. Did Swagger week. say anything on commentary? I honestly don't remember. I, I, I think he might have said, like, five words. Why do, he, he didn't say anything, but it's Jack Swagger, so who knows? Yeah, like I watched it, and then I watched the highlights afterward. I watched this twice, basically, and I can't remember anything he said. <laughs> I don't think he said did. anything. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe they didn't give him a mic or something. I but Anyway, uh, Corbin over with the end of days. Uh, Corbin stared down Swagger after the match, so I guess we know who he's getting fed to next. Yep. Uh, but, hey, we both like Baron Corbin. We so. do, and Cruz just gets buried. Cruz needs they need to do something. He's way too talented Yeah, for yeah. that, you know? I guess he's not as talented as Baron Corbin. I mean, it's two different types of talent, obviously, but... But they're going that direction. They're they are going because there is no other way to interpret it because there is no other information to go off of. <laughs> That's right. It's so frustrating. Ugh, anyway. Uh, to, to my... Another... Great match by Miz and Dolph. No, this is great. This was great, actually. They just keep doing good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but And then they, they got the hairspray or whatever spray it is back in the match, but it didn't work this time until it did work. <laughs> <laughs> and it was good stuff. Can you describe everything else ever uh, that you say? It didn't work, and then it did work. It, like when somebody goes for a finishing move, you exactly. say, no, nah, it didn't work. But then we made it work, and it was fine. Hey, that's WWE. I laughed so hard when Miz just did it himself and sprayed him in the face. <laughs> was, it was so great because it makes so much sense. And uh, I love Miz. Uh, I don't really like what they did with uh, just a small nitpick with the story of uh, Miz's contract is already decided. They can still keep up the tension with Daniel Bryan, but it's diminished it a little bit. I was hoping that would be a really, really yeah, they, they, hot angle. They moved pretty quick with that, didn't they? I mean, yeah. just last week they said they weren't on the same terms and then you come out this week and the contract settled yeah it's just a little disconcerting because they clearly spent a lot of time setting it up yeah, so that, you can continue it that's a good point I, that that would have been a, a better story if they would have kept that going longer yeah and not just a story because we need a story a story because the Miz is an excellent promo right. and that was the most compelling thing him and Daniel Bryan yeah. were I mean they they did some some good stuff on that talking smack whether it was a shoot or not, and uh, that would have kept that going a little bit. Mm-hmm. But though, anytime those two are on the, on the screen together, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, they're so great because they're complete opposites in right. every conceivable oh, yeah. way. Um, no, it's, it's wonderful, and um, I'm really glad to say that The Miz is one of my favorite parts of the show because he's one of those guys who's he, he's good and he's dependable for yeah. just having no, normal matches or if he's the Intercontinental Champion any of the other times he's had it or the U.S. Champion or whatever. But he can be great when you give him the time and yeah. the angle. He can talk. He can wrestle. He can make a bad movie. He can do it all for WWE. He can make many bad movies. Yes. I actually tried to watch uh, the Marine 3. Oh, Marine Miz 3. actually wasn't bad in it. So Marine 1 and 2 were pretty good, so you had to try that Marine 3? No. Oh, Marine okay. 1 with John Cena was garbage. <laughs> it was such a pile. 
Uh, I didn't even watch two. I don't know what happened there. I must have missed something because three didn't make any sense. I couldn't so, tell you. But actually, Miz wasn't too bad in that. So he's no. he's probably a natural actor. Miz. But Good for Miz. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Miz's <laughs> acting career aside, um, we have a repeat of what happened during the build-up to Backlash. Randy Orton over Eric Rowan in almost the same match. <laughs> like, if you had played the match that they had done before Backlash and then this, I wouldn't have been able to tell you which one was which. Uh, no, I couldn't either. And... Bray was nowhere to be found. He wasn't out there. He cut his his promo on the the jumbotron there. But uh, yeah, it didn't didn't really. We, we're not really moving this story line along very quickly. I mean, it's just kind of been the same thing for a while now. They need to end that, man. Yeah, like, I, well, I was. I mean, really I'm sure it will excited. at no mercy, but maybe Orton will not get cleared again, and we'll go another month of this. Oh, man, I hope Orton's all right. Like. Well, Don't, he, he yeah. had a five-minute match against Derrick Rowan. He must be good. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's it's different. Yeah. Uh, you know, and pay-per-view, what they're going to expect. Um, I just, you know, hope he's doing all right because that, that thing with Brock Lesnar was rough. And props to Randy Orton for apparently being cool with that. So, uh, but goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, coming up next, we have a women's tag match. It was uh, Naomi and Nikki Bella um, defeated Natalia and Carmella. This was barely a match. Uh, Carmella got disqualified right away for doing a thing that happens in literally every tag team match, pulling her partner out of the ring. Seriously, every yeah. single match that happens. And they were going to win the match, too. Uh, I mean, yeah. Natalia had her in the, you know, the sharpshooter, and Carmella ruins it. Yeah. Do you think, because the first time I watched it, I thought it was a mistake. I thought somebody blew something, so they just have to end the segment. But the second time I watched it, I thought, this is intentional. No, I never got the vibe that it something someone messed up. I just thought it looked like Carmella was ready to just beat up Nikki Bella and just didn't care to, to get DQ'd. Yeah, and uh, they finally gave some context to that in Talking Smack. It was her okay. and Dean Ambrose on that show. And How that did was, that go? It was good. It wasn't as game-changing as The Miz on there, <laughs> but Dean Ambrose finally looked like this fired-up, ruthless guy. Um, especially in the aftermath of the main event. Mm-hmm. And Carmella explained that she was her debut was overshadowed by Nikki Bella in her hometown and all, all, the, all this other stuff. Like they, they gave a little bit of context to it, which I think they needed to do because it's just uh, it's just Carmella just taking her to the woodshed every week and there's yeah. no explanation. So they did that a little bit, but they should definitely at least reference it on television. So Yeah, and you mentioned the main event. Uh, I was I wasn't – Exactly. I'm, I'm being pretty critical tonight, aren't I? And we both are. Yeah. I mean, you, you go ahead, man. <laughs> well, don't, I didn't, don't, I didn't yeah. agree with how the uh, the main event ended with just a, a roll-up. Like, Dean Ambrose gets out of the attitude adjustment and just rolls up Cena and, and wins the match. When was, when was the last time we saw Cena just get rolled up and lose? On SmackDown seven years ago. <laughs> I, I looked that up. Okay. But, okay. Now, now I'm going to choose to like the one thing that you were worried about complaining about. Okay. I liked the way this match ended because okay. – Watching it, it felt to me like they're both on autopilot a little bit because they didn't want to hurt each other. They know they have a big angle coming up, and they're doing basically the same thing again next week with AJ and Cena. And, uh, and no, no, it's AJ and Ambrose. Sorry. Right. And uh, they're going to make them fight every permutation before they finally get there. But anyway, uh, I actually liked the ending because Ambrose beats him, but it's not decisive. Uh, they both hit each other with their finishing moves, and Cena just isn't as quick as he thinks he is. He just he because he's getting older. He's breaking down. He just isn't as quick as he thought he would be. So he lost a match, so it leaves you wondering whether or not he's still credible as a champion. And I liked it because of who John Cena's character is because he's unstoppable. And now, like, he just makes mistakes. Like, it was a judgment error. Like, he didn't get his shoulder up fast enough because Dean Ambrose is the younger guy. 
So I like it from that perspective, but overall it wasn't too great. So those are good points. I, I, I get what you're saying there. I guess it gives Dean some credibility and he got a win over John Cena. Um, I mean, but yeah, I, I was just surprised for that. I mean, I would have loved to see, I would have been fine with Dean Ambrose winning that match with maybe a dirty deeds or something, but I don't know. The roll up was just, I don't know. I, I, I'm probably being too picky there, but we'll, I guess we'll see where it takes Dean Ambrose. Maybe he'll, he'll get the title back. Maybe, but the roll-up is the most deadly finishing maneuver <laughs> in all of pro wrestling, in case you haven't been watching yeah. WWE. So you got to watch true. out for that. That is true. That will end. Don't grab the tights. Yeah. Every women's match before this year ended with a roll-up almost, but <laughs> it was just don't. Yeah, no, you got to watch those. But anyway, um, not a bad SmackDown. Um, it sort of waned a little bit from the last few weeks where I've been really, really high on it. But uh, Raw about killed me, yeah. but it was, had some redeeming parts, but SmackDown was... Uh, you know what? I'm not as upset with SmackDown because SmackDown didn't try to sell a pay- us a pay-per-view right after the show. Uh, like they didn't, they weren't going into that uh, that go-home show that WWE just cannot do for some for whatever reason. They just can't get people excited. I mean, for there's pay-per-views. been a. F- I, I think there, when they when the roster was all together before the draft, there was. I mean, I always look forward to the go-home show. I felt like there was usually some good stuff on there, but this week's Raw didn't didn't really have that for me. But. Sh- should we get into predictions? Yeah, yeah, let's get into predictions. Right. So, Jameson, yeah. uh, who you got first? Who's up first? Um, we can start. Let's start with the cruiserweight. Cruiserweights, yes. So, um, so TJ Perkins and Brian Kendrick. Um, I'm, I'm going to take – I'm going to – they're probably going to keep it on TJ Perkins. Like I said, I don't know a lot about TJ Perkins, but I would be surprised if his first match, uh, first championship match, if they gave him the title, he's probably going to win the title in the first uh, defense. Mm-hmm. No, I believe that. Uh, TJ Perkins, I watched him in the Cruiserweight Classic. He was he's a good wrestler, but he's not he wasn't nearly the best wrestler in the tournament. In uh, kayfabe, he was you know he put on some very very good performances, but Brian Kendrick has a lot of physical charisma. He knows how to be a great heel, um, and also his story in the cruiserweight classic was a redemption story. Him saying I'm 37 years old or however old, I don't have any more chances like this. This is my last chance to prove myself. So it was this very, very, ended in a heartbreaking moment where he just tried his best to win but couldn't. And I'm, I'm hoping they continue that here where he's just this, he's sort of heelish, but he's just so desperate to get something before he has to retire. Uh, I really just hope they keep that up. And this is a match that I don't think there's a ton at stake either way they do it, but I'd also right. like to see Perkins retain, so... All right, so we both got Perkins. Yeah, entertaining match is all I'm hoping for there. Uh, yeah, so. I'm excited to watch it. I think I'm sure it will be. Um, but uh, let's go Seamus Cesaro next game seven. If we watched eight weeks of these two wrestle for Seamus to win, I'm done. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go Cesaro. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you there, and uh, I I got nothing for this. I mean, we've watched this for as long. I have no idea where these guys are going next, but. I'll take Cesaro. I want this match to be 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Cesaro um, do what he did to Sami Zayn in NXT, rolling European uppercut, jumping neutralizer, just crush him immediately. I would be completely okay with that. And remind everybody that he is the greatest and that he deserves better than eight weeks of that. Yes, and uh, he, he came back from 3-0 down if he does win, so maybe maybe that will boost his confidence a little bit. Hoping, I'm hoping so. Don't don't make him sell injuries just so he it looks like he can conceivably compete with everybody else. Just let him beat a lot of people. Um, <laughs> coming up next, just don't put him in with Sheamus for ever. Yeah, 
It's all yeah. it's all I ask. It's it's just driving me literally insane. So, so we've uh, <laughs> we're, we've both picked the same people so far. Let's yeah. uh, let's go to the 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 tag team championship here. The New Day versus Gallows and Anderson. Who do you got there? Um, there's okay. There's two. There's almost with every prediction we do. This is only our second one, but with every prediction I do, both personally and on the podcast, there's almost two predictions I have to make. One is what I want, and what is one is what my cynical side thinks is going to happen by WWE. One is what I sort of know they're going to do. I sort of know they're going to keep it on the New Day, but I really want the New Day to lose their titles so that they're interesting again, because they are becoming quickly one of the least interesting parts of the show, and that's very very bad because they are very talented. So I am, you know what? I'm just gonna go all in with Gallows and Anderson. I'm probably gonna be wrong, but I hope they win. So I'm going Gallows and Anderson too. And you said I think they're gonna keep it on the new day. I think this is the time to to take the t- the title belts off of them. I think they they've had 13 months with the belt. They're probably least over as they've been in a long time. This is the time for Gallows and Anderson to run with the belts for a little while. Maybe they'll give them right back. Who knows? But I'm also going Gallows and Anderson. Yeah, um, but like you said, they've had it for how long now? And they've done about everything you can do as a tag team. Uh, they've they've been the guys who, unpopular baby faces that nobody likes and everybody boos out of the building. They've been lovable heels. They've been lovable tweeners and faces. And now they're faces that WWE tells you you love, but you only sort of like. Like, they've been everything, and they have nothing for them. Right. Like, Gallows and Anderson, there's a lot of potential if they get serious and play up the Bullet Club and uh, especially just sort of drop the whole comedy gimmick and just have him come out and say, no, you guys are stupid. We're winning matches and beating up all of you. So If, if New Day does win uh, on Sunday, I'd, when do they lose them? I mean, I, I don't see any end. If they beat Gallows and Anderson, I mean, they're going to keep the titles for maybe another 13 months. I'd, I think this is the right time for them to, to drop the belts. Yeah, uh, no, I think I think that I think that they should have dropped him to the vaudevillains yeah. way back. Mm, I don't know about that. Well, and you know what? <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? Vaudevillains are nowhere now, yeah, so maybe that, not. But yeah, exactly. You know, man. Yeah, this probably should have been done already because they've gotten pretty stale. So. All right, let's uh, let's pick this uh, women's three-way match for the women's championship: mm-hmm. Charlotte, Sasha Banks, and Bailey. All I'm right. going. I'm going Sasha Banks here. I think she she's getting over her back injury, and uh, that that was her title. She's going to get it back on Sunday. Yes, uh, I so want to disagree with you on one of these, but I like my shoulders just drop at the idea of Charlotte retaining it. Not because she's bad. Right. I think she's she's a good heel. Yeah, she's especially she's grown as a character and yeah. as a performer a lot, and. Um, it's not time for Bailey to have the title. No, because not not because she isn't a good wrestler, but because she's the underdog, and you right. cannot give the underdog the title as exciting as it would be. As much as I just mark out and start <laughs> yelling at my television for it, I don't think it's the right time for her either. That's true. So I think um, Charlotte either retains and we drag this out m- even more than we already have, uh, or just give it to Sasha. And I'm all on board for just giving it to Sasha because she is the most over. And she is great. So your so. prediction is Sasha. Okay. After much deliberation, yeah. out loud. Grant likes to do this thing where he picks both people in the match, and then he's never wrong. Abs- <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. You know what? I was right last pay per view, sort of, kind of. Okay. But yeah, maybe just existential crisis every time I try to think about who should win a wrestling match. So. All right, United States Championship, <laughs> Rusev and Roman Reigns. Who you got? <laughs> 
<laughs> if if we can, all right. I don't want to make every answer like yeah, eight but, minutes, but if we can get out of this without U.S. champion Roman Reigns, I'd be thrilled. I would be too. Rusev right now because Reigns U.S. champion is a bad decision and everybody knows it. Yes. So please, please don't. So what we've we've picked six matches now and we've all picked the same people because I'm I'm you know also... what nope cynical they're gonna give it to Roman okay you're going you know Roman? What? I'm going Roman because okay. I hate myself I'm and... going Rusev I, right. I think Rusev's doing pretty well with that title right now I don't think they should take it off him so I'm I'm going Rusev and now to the WWE Universal Championship match Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins this is gonna be a fun match to watch I'm oh yeah for this no one. this is gonna be great and I think this one, this one's tough for me. I'm going to toss up here. I love KO with the belt, but I also love what Seth Rollins does. And, man, I'm going to have to go. I think they're going to keep the belt on Kevin Owens. He hasn't had it long enough. Oh, I'm saying the same thing. Like, Seth Rollins had it forever. Yeah. Uh, he had a really long title yeah. reign. And they need to give Owens legitimacy. If you see him as a world title contender, you have to treat him like one. Um, and I think Seth shouldn't get it back because he still has a redemption story to do. Right. Because they haven't f- nearly finished telling that yet. So they need to give him something to chase. Yeah. Uh, I mean, walking in here today, I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm taking Seth Rollins in this match. But I, I, thinking about it, I, I, I think they're going to they're gonna keep it on the longest reigning Universal Champion ever. Kevin Owens is going to walk out Sunday with the belt. He is. I love how they bring that up. He's the longest reigning Universal Champion yeah, ever. It's so great. sad. Maybe, maybe Triple H will show up again. Maybe. I honestly hope they don't, or okay. at least if they do it, downplay it a little bit. No, you don't want any Triple H? Yeah, no. Wait, he's got to show up on television eventually again. Yeah. I can't believe he showed up at the last pay-per-view and then – or it was Raw. Sorry, he showed up on Raw, and then just we haven't seen him since. Yeah. Uh, I mean, why, why was it – he? He's got to explain why well, he did Stephanie, this. Well, Stephanie doesn't know anything. Yeah, Stephanie, she she lives with the guy but doesn't know anything. Is yeah. but I, I would I would be fine with seeing Triple H again, but I want to hear him talk. Yeah, maybe even Raw next. That's oh man, you want to hear like I never thought I'd hear somebody like 2016 man. I want to hear what Triple H has to say. Yeah, I think he like, makes the show better. I, I like Triple H, but I mean the best Raw we've seen in how long involves Triple H. Right, that's true. I can't even argue with that. But so, as long as he's in the right situation. Like yeah. him opposite Daniel Bryan was magic. Like him opposite a babyface Seth Rollins could be great. So if they yeah. play it well, I'm just hoping that he isn't involved to the de- to the degree that he was on right. Raw when we saw him. But you know what? That could be a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Uh, never thought I'd say that. <laughs> but you know what? That could be a pleasant surprise. So I am seriously looking forward to this main event. Me too. Me too. And the only uh, match we disagreed on in this card was Rusev, Roman Reigns, right? Uh, I don't even like. I don't know if I want to lock in that prediction because I just ha- I hate it so much. No, you got you got Roman. <laughs> you know what? Got I got Roman. I got. I, apparently, Roman's my guy. Or no, Roman's everyone else. He's the WWE's guy, and no one else's. So, <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna err on the side of cynicism with this one and uh, choose Roman Reigns because, of course. All right. Well, are, hey, are we still doing the matches? We you got a match this week? For uh, the people to, to watch? Yeah, yeah. Good, so do I. Yeah, I got one. Um, I've upped the importance a little bit, but it's still a little bit on the obscure side. Okay. Um, now, obscure, like, okay, everyone's talking. Um, you can watch Stone Cold Steve Austin's Rise to Fame on the network. Yeah. I saw that advertised. I've been watching a lot of Stone Cold's old stuff, like 96, 97. Great stuff. Millions of miles ahead of what everyone else was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just, the booking and everything was so great. And it was his match with Bret Hart at Survivor Series, not WrestleMania, but Survivor Series the year before, 96. 
Um, it was the cold open, like the unofficial open of the Attitude Era, because it was this match between a young Steve Austin, a guy who is good enough to be a champion but doesn't have the focus, getting beat by Bret Hart when Bret does a submission counter because Stone Cold won't release the sleeper hold, yep. and he gets his shoulders pinned to the mat. It's such a good intro, and it sets off two of the best feuds ever, which is um, Bret versus Stone Cold and then Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon, and those made WWF in the late 90s what it is and yep. uh, changed the direction of everything. So I got to go with that match because it's a lot of fun. So and That's and the iconic photo of uh that was that was the wrestlemania 13 oh okay gotcha. yeah, so this is the one before that oh, nobody okay. really remembers it but this is the official physical start of their rivalry like stone cold hates him before this gotcha. and afterwards and it only gets more intense from here and so this is where stone cold after the king of the ring because everybody knows about that yep. this is a milestone that everyone sort of forgets in yeah memory, i was gonna so. say i don't think i've watched that match now give it a look man it is hugely entertaining so okay. that's my recommendation for All everybody right. I went I went WCW ah. with my match this week. I actually watched a full WCW Monday Nitro today. Mm. Watched the whole show. And the match that I uh, suggest that people watch would be Bill Goldberg, my guy Goldberg, my favorite wrestler of all time, versus Hulk Hogan on the uh, July 6th, 1998 episode of Monday Nitro. This is a short match. And it, it, I don't even know how meaningful this match is, but uh, it's Goldberg's first ever championship match, uh, WCW World Heavyweight Championship match. Um, Hogan pretty much runs the show. I mean, he you can even tell. He's probably making more decisions than Eric Bischoff is at this point in uh, WCW Creative. But um, it's a short match. I mean, Goldberg, the atmosphere, it's in Atlanta, Georgia, where Goldberg's from. It's in the Georgia Dome, which, I mean, seats 80,000 in a football game. Uh, I think they had at least about 40,000 there for Monday Nitro. Mm. And um, Goldberg wins. He wins his first WCW World Heavyweight Championship. The crowd is just unbelievable. Um, Diamond Dallas Page, Carl uh, Malone get involved. Uh, it was good stuff. The, the Earlier in the show, uh, Goldberg had to beat Scott Hall to get to this match in the main event. Um, WCW missed out big time on this match. If this was a pay-per-view match, I mean... This was on Monday night. Anybody who had cable could watch this match on TNT. I mean, this would have had millions of, of pay-per-view buys. Everybody would have bought Goldberg versus Hulk Hogan. I mean, it was the biggest match in WCW in years, and they just let let millions of dollars go out the window and put it on cable television, and maybe that's why WCW went under. But uh, I recommend people, even watching that whole Monday Night Show was pretty sweet. Chris Jericho was in it. Uh, they had a lot of good stuff. Dean Malenko. Yeah, it was a really good show entertaining um but uh yeah it was cool to see goldberg's first ever wcw world heavyweight championship that is awesome you're you're totally right like uh even today uh title matches on free television it's a mixed bag you could miss yeah. out on something really big with it right. you don't see it a lot with wwe because they don't need to sell pay-per-views as hard as they used to not with the network no but yeah no decisions like that to have this awesome match in front of this hot crowd and have this big moment happen on free television really wasn't a smart move back no, then. No, definitely not. They, I mean, Ted Turner and everybody involved missed out on a lot of money. Yeah. Right. I mean, and they ended up selling WCW, I think, for, what, $5 million to Vince? Almost nothing. Yeah, I mean, anybody could have bought that. It's just that they didn't make the best uh, business decisions back then. Nope. And uh, hopefully we hear more from Goldberg in the future. I would so, love to. Yeah. I would love to. That's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got, too. So that was the Ringmasters Classic. So check out those matches on the network or um, – 
on uh, Vimeo, YouTube, LimeWire, whatever you got to use to get those matches. Remember that? that? Yeah. Yeah. Virus Central. Give your computer just uh, the Black Plague to try and get your favorite, like, uh, 90s song or whatever. Anyway, uh, I digress. So this has been Ringmaster's Podcast. I am Grant LaFave. I am Jameson Galloway. Hey, tweet me if you want. If you disagree with things, I'm at Jameson424. That's J-A-M-I-S-O-N-424. Let me he- let me hear it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and we're on Twitter, uh, at Grant underscore Lefebvre, I think, and then at Ringmasters CMU. CMU is in all caps. Give us a tweet and a follow. We'll let you know when our show's up. So see you next time, Marks. Peace.